For cleaning up my room this week, $1. For going to the store for you, $0.50. Cents. For babysitting my kid brother while you went shopping, $2. Taking out the garbage, $1. And the list went on and on. At the bottom it said, total, $14.75. Well, his mother looked at him standing there. and the boy could see things were going through her mind. So she picked up a pen. She turned over the paper he had given her. She wrote down a few things. For the nine months I carried you while you were growing inside me, no charge. <laughs> for all the nights that I slept up with you, doctored you, prayed for you, no charge. For all the trying times and all the tears that you've caused me through the years, no charge. For all the times I wiped your nose and your butt, no charge. For all the toys, food, and clothes, no charge. Son, when you add it up, the cost of my love is no charge. <laughs> well, by this time, the little boy started to cry. <laughs> the big tears in his eyes, he walked over to her and looked straight in her face. and He said, Mom, I sure do love you. And then he took the pen and in great big letters, turned over to his side and crossed it out. And he said, paid in full. <laughs> okay, good transaction. That's the moments that we live for. As parents, isn't it? Raising children, hoping that someday they get it, someday they get the message we're trying to get through to them. And raising children is one of the greatest things we can ever do in this life. Not all of us have been so blessed, so burdened, as to become a mom or dad to one of God's children. But if you're ever blessed in this way, hang on, because you're in for the ride of your life. Tony is right. You talk about change. Just have a child. <laughs> And things change big time. Well, we've been talking about busyness, and especially crazy busyness. wonder if you're ready yet to admit that your life is crazy busy. If you've not been here for the past two messages, let me share the definition we've been using for crazy busy. Crazy busy is when you fill up your schedule with things that have little or no eternal value. Just a lot of stuff. But you look at the end of the day and you think, why did I do that? What did that accomplish? What does that mean for eternity? And this morning we want to see how our busyness is affected by taking on the role of a parent. So this is particularly for people that are parents today, but maybe all of us can benefit from this same message. And what we quickly learn is that parenting only adds to our busyness. In fact, if we are crazy busy, if we are not wise about how our time is used, parenting only serves to accentuate and intensify and multiply our crazy business. You think you're crazy busy now? Just become a mom or dad, and things are going to get quickly out of control. So how many parents are there in the room today? How many has ever been a parent? How many is a parent? How many grandparents are here in the room? Yeah, a lot of you need this message too. I know I do. Great-grandparents, and great-grandparents here today? And I know there's three, four, okay. Anybody else? Great-grandparents, that's pretty neat. Three generations there you're working with. How many of you take on responsibility for children in some other way? Maybe you work kids' church, or maybe you're a teacher, or maybe you do daycare, or maybe you got a little brother or sister you get stuck with all the time. Yeah. Is there something for you too? Well, this message is for you. And since I'm a parent and a grandparent, the message for me too. So let's all listen up to what God may want to say today. I asked you last week if you're crazy busy. 
Anybody willing to admit you're crazy busy yet? Yeah? Okay, you don't have to hold up. Well, go ahead, hold up your hand if you're crazy busy. Do you need control? Do you need to get this under control? If your life has been spinning out of control lately and you now see that you've been crazy busy, God has some good news for you. Because it doesn't have to stay that way. You can change this. You can stop this madness. As usual, we're going to go to the Bible, God's Word, for wisdom and direction. And we're going to just look at two passages today. But what does the Bible actually say about parenting? Surprisingly, not very much. Not very much, really. God doesn't say a whole lot about parenting in the Bible. And that's kind of surprising to many of us. It's not one of the major themes of God's Word. Although, He's been sharing a lot of examples of parenting with us. Maybe we learn most from the stories and then those few captured moments when God says, Mom and Dad, listen up. Here's something for you. When his book, Crazy Busy, Kevin D. Young summarizes what the Bible says about parenting into just four simple statements. First of all, parents should teach God to their children. Teach their children about God. Deuteronomy 6, look at that. Also, Proverbs, the first nine chapters, speak to parents. Parents should dis discipline their children. That's brought out in Scripture also. They should show them the right way to live. You do that by rewards and punishments. And they learn a process there. Proverbs 23, 13, Hebrews 12 talks about discipline. Thirdly, parents should be thankful for their children. And so Psalm 127 and other places should say how, what a blessing it is. Be grateful that God has given this to you. And then fourthly, fathers in particular are told that they should not exasperate their children, should not frustrate their children. And we're going to look at that in Ephesians chapter 6. So when I look back through my file folder, I have all kinds of files about sermons of the past 35 years. And so I've got a Mother's Day, and it's been a, a Mother's Day message every year, and a Father's Day message every year, and I looked at the passages I preached from. There weren't a lot to choose from, maybe 10 passages total, and I have to keep going back to those and find a new way to say something there, because God doesn't speak a lot about it, but what he says is very clear and very powerful. Why do you think it is that God doesn't say a lot about parenting, spend a lot of time there? Well, DeYoung says it's because God wants to take a very simple and direct approach to parenting. Much more simple than maybe we want to. We make it all complicated. We get all worried and anxious about things. He says it's really very simple. He wants us to stop sweating the details and just be very real, very simple with our children. Keep the main thing the main thing. So, today you're going to learn what the main thing is, if you don't know already. And the main thing of a parent is simply this. We need to love God, we need to live for God, and we need to teach our children to do the same. It's that simple. We need to love God, we need to live for God, and we need to teach our children to do the same. There are a million things that we can worry about as a parent, and we often do, but in the end, we can't make them turn out the way we want them to. Only God can do that. So start with God, finish with God, and your children will learn to do the same. And that's the best formula you can have as a parent. If Kevin DeYoung was here to talk to us parents today, he would say you need to stop stressing out about your kids so much. Here's what he wrote. We live in a strange new world. Kids are safer than ever before, but parental anxiety is skyrocketing. Children have more options, more opportunities. But parents have more worry and hassle. We have put unheard of amounts of energy, time, and focus into our children. 
and yet we assume their failure will almost certainly be our fault for not doing enough. We live in an age when the future happiness and success of our children trumps all other concerns. No labor is too demanding, no expense is too high, no sacrifice is too great for our children. A little life hangs in the balance, and everything depends on us. I think that's a pretty fit description of our culture. It's a child-oriented culture that if you're a parent, there's all kinds of things somebody's going to advise you what you need to do. And if you start worrying about all of that, it's overloading. Because we take on too much responsibility. We almost feel deterministic about this, don't we? The child turns out great, we get the credit. But if they mess up, mess up and, and end up and, you know, going the wrong path, then we're to blame. Because we just didn't do enough. Someone has coined a term that I learned in this book. It's called kindergarchy. You know, you've heard of uh, oligarchy and monarchy. This is child in charge. Child is ruling. It means ruled by the children of the household. Sometimes it's a child uh, that's kind of spoiled, allowed to do whatever it wants, never told no. And, and uh, so that child rules because he's making demands and mom and dad are just jumping. And maybe it's a child where the parents act like the servants to their children, just waiting on them hand and foot and, and making sure they get whatever the little hearts desire. I tell you, kindergarten is not a biblical approach to parenting, is it? <laughs> Child's not in charge. Mom and dad really aren't in charge, but God's put them temporarily, you know, in authority in his place so that they can act on his behalf. But God is in charge. This, however, is the way our society encourages. Let that child run free. Let that child do whatever they want. Let that child express themselves. Let that child be creative. Let them get away with stuff if that's where their heart goes. That's, that's nonsense. So DeYoung talks about the myth of the perfect parent. And that myth is that if we just do everything right as mom and dad, our kids will turn out right. So the burden is on us. He writes this, Parenting has become more complicated than it needs to be. It used to be, as far as I can tell, that Christian parents basically tried to feed their kids, clothe them, teach them about Jesus, and keep them away from explosives. <laughs> There's a little sense of humor there. He says, now our kids have to sleep on their backs. Oh, no, wait on their tummies. No, never mind, on their backs. Anybody have babies? Get advice changing every month, you know, on their stomach, on their back. Which, which way is the right way? So you're questioning yourself. And meanwhile, he says, they're supposed to be listening to baby Mozart and surrounded by scenes of starry, starry night. There have to be uh, a piano lessons before they turn five. And they can't leave the car seat until they're five foot six. Yeah. <laughs> Now, these are extreme examples, but we understand. You know, if you're a young parent, the world is telling you what all you have to do. It is all so involved, the young size. There are so many rules, so many expectations. Who can, who's up to that? Here's another good quote. He says, as nanny parents living in a nanny state, we think of our children as fragile and entirely moldable. moldable. Both assumptions are mistaken. It's harder to ruin our kids than we think and harder to stamp them for success than we like. And Christian parents in particular often operate with an implicit determinism. We fear that a few wrong moves will ruin our children forever and at the same time assume that the right combination of protection and instruction will invariably produce godly children. So we quote Proverbs that says, Train up with the child the way it should go and he will not depart it 
from that when he becomes old. Well, that's not a guarantee in every child's case. It's saying your best shot, your best hope, is to train them up, to discipline them, to take matters in hand for God and teach them the ways of God, which is the point of today's message. But when you take that to an extreme level, there is no way you're going to accomplish that. De Young's church secretary once said to him, most moms and dads think that they're either the best or the worst parents in the world. And both of them are wrong. <laughs> you're not the best. You're not the worst. You're just a parent. And parents are obviously very important to, ch to their children. They make a big difference in how their child makes their way through life. But we have to be careful that we don't take too much responsibility on ourselves. And I'm not talking about you know, neglect or abuse or somebody that is not being a parent to their child. I'm talking about the parent who's trying to be responsible, trying to be good and, and godly, but they take too much ownership, too much responsibility for themselves, and they feel like that child is theirs forever, and whether they succeed or fail, it's their fault, their problem. And we need to back off from that and say, this is God's child. I've been given a stewardship for a period of time. It might be the 18 years are under my, my roof. It may be for a lifetime in some ways. But I just have a stewardship of what God owns. And ultimately it's up to God for how they turn out and ultimately up to your child for the choices that he or she will make. Leslie Leland Fields was right when she said one of the most resilient and cherished myths of parenting is that parenting creates the child. No. God creates the child. Parents influence the child, hopefully, for God. The Bible has many stories, doesn't it, about parents? But think of some of those stories. There are some spiritual rascals. I mean, really, really bad people. People that are, that, are, that are messing up royally in their lives. And they had godly parents. What's with that? Think of Samson. You know, his parents were godly people, dedicated him to God, and, and how did he live? You know, he denied a lot of the stuff they, they taught him, I'm sure. And I thought of Eli and his sons, you know, that were priests, you know, in the tabernacle and horrible stuff going on. I thought, uh, thought of Ishmael and, and Isaac. Abraham and Sarah's, you know, the, the sons there. And one is the child of promise, one is a child where Abraham you know, took matters in his own hands there. And they're still at war today, aren't they? <laughs> they're descendants. But the Bible also, also has stories of spiritual giants who didn't have very good parents. So I think of King Josiah. Yeah, he's raised in wickedness, but he turned around, reformed the kingdom, and brought the people back to God. So so we see both. It's not just up to the parents. A child has their own nature and has their own choices. So what can we do? What must we do for our children? Two passages. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Main word God uses here, I want you to maybe even circle in your Bible, is the word impress. Impress. Impression means 
there's something deliberate going on here. There's something intentional going on here. Impress them with the word of God, the ways of God. First of all, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And then that means to obey God, to, to love God. And then he says, this is what you impress on your children. And that's why I said the main thing is this, to love God, to live for God, and to teach your children to do the same thing. That is our main job, is not to give them everything they want, everything they need, but to impress upon them the ways of God so that they would learn to love God with their heart, soul, and strength as well. So, parents, can you let that kind of just sink in? Can you contrast that with what the world is saying to you, that value system that says, give them whatever they want. Make sure that if they want to do that, you find a way for that to happen. And you need to compete with the other parents because they've got their three-year-old in piano lessons. And because they've got their, their four-year-old in, in dance recitals and, and in gymnastics and in and, and five other things. And the little child is like, what are we going to next, you know? You've got to be careful listening to the world. We are to love God and live for Him and teach our children to do the same. Now all families have a routine. All families have a way you do things. When you get up, when you eat, when you clean the house, if you clean the house, when you sleep. Uh, all of this is part of the routine. And what God says in Deuteronomy 6 is, as you do these things, impress these lessons upon your children. So he says, as you eat, as you sleep, as you get up, as you walk, as they go to school or work, or they go out into the community. In other words, as you live... Keep the main thing the main thing. Make sure the lessons are being learned as you live life together. And our main job is not to give them everything they want, but to impress the ways of God upon their hearts, souls, and minds. Now turn over to Ephesians 6. Very little is really being said here. It's not very many verses. But listen, it speaks to children, then to parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And then it speaks, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, children, this is a good thing for you to hear. Mom and dad have a point, have a purpose. And so the Bible says, obey your parents Honor them and learn from them. God's placed them in your life so that you can figure things out. Uh, you're not ready to be on your own all the way here. So don't fight your parents' influence. Don't fight the system because it's God's system. That's the way he set it up. Cooperate with your parents as imperfect as they are and make the most of that situation because you will learn and you will grow. You'll even learn from their mistakes. So, thank God for their mistakes. And I know uh, now God gives a word to parents, especially to us guys, our, our fatherhood. Don't exasperate your children. Why does, why does the word of God focus on that? <laughs> why are the women laughing? Because <laughs> they've watched the disaster happen. They've watched us time and time again lose it, lose our control, lose our temper, uh, say things that we wish we hadn't said, 
and force restrictions or punishment on a child that they really didn't deserve. And we, we frustrate, we exasperate them because we don't know the whole story or we don't think about the whole thing. We just react. Fathers are reactionary. Have you noticed? And that's a problem. Why did he have to say that? Because it's too easy for moms or dads to be all stressed out and burdened and so overly responsible that we get exasperated with our children before they did anything. And so we see the mom or dad kind of riding the child, you know, and correcting them when really they didn't do that much. It just being a kid, you know. Or we see them uh, exerting heavy punishment upon them, and it doesn't match what they did that was wrong. Or we see them losing their temper, and it's not because of the child, it's because they're mad at their, their employer, or they're mad about their finances, or they're upset about something else that happened that day. Maybe the car broke down, or whatever. And the child gets the brunt of that because we were so overtaxed that we strike out as somebody. We're just lashing out. And they're the easiest vulnerable target. That's why the Word of God says don't exasperate your children. Well, so then DeYoung spends a lot of time talking about the stress that we're under and the anxieties that we have. He brings up studies and surveys, and one of those was by Helen Galinsky, who did a study of a thousand kids. It's called Ask the Children. So he asked some questions about 12 different areas of parenting, and they said, how are your parents doing? Boy, that'd be a loaded thing. He asked the kids, how are mom and dad doing? And actually, mom and dad scored pretty well. Overall, we got a B. It was a low B, but it was a B. We got A's for making our children feel valuable and important, and by attending their big events, and kids said, Mom and dad try to get there. That's, that's a positive thing. But our biggest weakness as a group was anger management. More than 40% of their children gave their parents a C, D, or an F for being able to control their tempers, really not being able to control their tempers. And they asked them how their parents' job and other things were affecting them, and they said that they wished their parents were less tired and less stressed. Well, after they got done with the study, they went to the parents and said, how do you think your kids answered? And the parents were all saying, my child would complain that I'm not there for them, that I'm not going to all their big stuff. And the kids didn't bring that up at all. Instead, the kids said, I want my parent to be less frantic, less frazzled about life. The kids were worried about their parents. Now, here's a wise concept that I want to kind of leave with you today. Maybe you've heard it, but you need to embrace it as a parent. Less is more. Less is more. When you overload your life, you don't really get the benefits of that that you were hoping for. But when you're able to scale back and prioritize and do the things that really could bring some eternal value to your family, then that's more. So less is more. Doing less than we are doing can actually be more productive than what we were doing before. DeYoung put it this way, by trying to do so much for our children, we are actually making them less happy. It would be better for us and for our kids if we planned fewer outings, got involved in fewer activities, took more breaks from our kids, did whatever we could to get more help around the house, and made parental sanity a higher priority. Mom and dad are healthy, then the kids benefit from that. But when mom and dad are stressed out and exhausted, both they and their kids will suffer. So I just want to encourage you this morning, if you can reduce the workload both you and your kids are under, 
what you're trying to carry every day. All of you will benefit. You'll be healthier and you will be stronger and God will be able to get through to you. God will be able to teach you all. Word of God, it says, do not exasperate. Instead, by contrast, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Focus on the Lord. Focus on the things that we are learning from the Lord. Make that your priority. Put the responsibility for your child's welfare and upbringing on the shoulders that are big enough to carry it. Not your shoulders, God's shoulders. So put your trust in Him. Go back to the main thing. Oh, there we are again, that main thing. Love God. Live for God and teach your kids to do the same. So where are we? What are the implications? Just very quickly, let me close this way. Something's got to go. Something's got to give. If you're crazy busy and your family is crazy busy, something's got to change. So pray about it. Seek God's wisdom in what needs to go. What needs to be removed from your crazy busy schedule as a family? And I can remember Jane and I making some very deliberate choices along the way as Josh and Jenna were coming up through. Said, okay, we can do that, but we can't do that. We can't add that. We don't have enough margin. We don't have enough space in our life to do that. Uh, Jenna had the opportunity to go on travel team for soccer. It would have been every weekend. It would have been Sundays. How could we do that? You know, just there's no way to add that to the schedule without everything else missing out. But she still played soccer every season for how many years? I don't know, 16 seasons or something. It was crazy. And every Saturday, there was something in practices and all of that. We could fit that in. But somewhere we had to say no to something. And other things we had to say no to. They were both in scouts for a while. and Different things. And, and you know, you have all kinds of opportunities for your kids. What are you pushing and what are you saying? That's just too much. If you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake on the side of caution. Do less than you think you should, and it will actually be more for your family. Realize in doing this that the goal is not more, more possessions, more activities, special events, special trips, more treats. These are not the priority. Loving God, living for God is the priority. We cannot reduce uh, our stress and anxiety uh, by just you know, following the world's way. We, we, we reduce them by doing less and by making sure we get the rest that we need. We stop exhausting ourselves. And we don't take it out on each other because we don't have anything to take out on them. We're in a unit. We're in a family. We're helping each other. We're growing together. And if you can make some wiser choices at the beginning, then it's going to result in happier, more, more productive lives at the end. So if we buy into a false system that says our kids need more things, than we had growing up. Or that they need more opportunities than we had growing up. That's the false system. That's what is promoted. That's what we're being taught. We set ourselves up for trouble. And then we have to work harder and longer hours in order to pay for those things, which just multiplies. It just makes the whole thing worse. DeYoung concludes his chapter on parenting this way. I just know that the longer I parent, the more I want to focus on doing a few things really well and not get too worked up about everything else. I want to spend time with my kids, teach them the Bible, take them to church, laugh with them, cry with them, discipline them when they disobey, say sorry when I mess up, and pray a ton. I want them to look back and think, I'm not sure what my parents were doing, or even if they knew what they were doing, but I always knew that my parents loved me 
And I knew that my parents loved Jesus. That's the goal. To teach them to love God and to live for God. It's that simple, really. Parents, I know that your lives are crazy busy. I know that we live in a culture that encourages our crazy busyness more and more. But I want you to stop and think. I want you to pray. And then make some changes. Focus on the main thing. And watch God bring healing and greater purpose to your parenting and to your family. Let me pray for you as we conclude the message today. Lord, I pray for the parents, especially in this room, parents of our church, parents of our community that are crazy busy, that have somehow bought into the whole system of of making things more and more involved, more stressful, more anxiety, more fear, more worry, and it just doesn't work. The less that we want is in you. The priority we want is in you. And next week we're going to talk about those priorities. Just know, Lord, that that each of us has some choices to make, some decisions to make. There's something about our schedule that's overloaded, overtaxed, and there's not enough margin. There's certainly not a priority on you because the rest of life has edged you out. I pray for these parents that are here today that with wisdom, with sincerity, with honesty, with humility, we can all make the changes we need to make in our lives. May we be benefited and may our children and grandchildren be benefited as we look to you. We entrust them to you, Lord. We ask for your help. We ask for your leadership in our lives. And Lord, with all of our heart, soul, and strength, we want to love you. We want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.